Hi, my name is Jeff Teolis. This is Pinball Profile, and I wish this was a more joyous occasion, because when I recorded it, it was. When I talked to Barry Ausler on Thursday, February 17th, he was excited. I was excited. He had just been hired by American Pinball. We are finally going to get to see a game. It had been 26 years. We thought we were going to see one with Highway Pinball. That didn't happen. We thought we'd see several from Deep Root. That didn't happen. When were we going to see a new game from Barry? And American Pinball was giving him that opportunity. So we talked on February 17th. It was wonderful. In fact, we were supposed to talk a couple days earlier, but he had to reschedule because of chemo appointments that he had. These were his first chemo treatments since being let go by Deep Root, as everyone was. And I was glad he was getting the treatments. He told me he was fine, but inside it was really bothering me that, like many people, he didn't have the funds or the insurance to get these necessary treatments. I have to tell you, where I live, I've never, ever had to worry about that. I'm not saying I live in a better place. I'm, this isn't political. I just have never had to worry about if I get sick, can I afford the medical bills? And it breaks my heart because he and others have to go through that. I wish that wasn't the case. I bring that up because it was a huge financial burden to Barry, to his family, and there's a way we can help. There's been a GoFundMe for the Barry Ausler Memorial Fund that you can help. Again, GoFundMe.com, just type in Barry Ausler Memorial Fund. There's a link on my pinball profile page on Facebook, on pinballprofile.com. Fun with Bonus has it. Everyone's sharing it as we have a good community that cared about Barry and, and his family. So if there's any way you can help, please, please, please. The only worrying the family should have is that they're without Barry and not without the funds to put him to rest. Barry passed away on Monday, February 21st, again, four days after I talked to him. And you will hear in this interview how upbeat he was. He didn't sound like a sick man. And again, cancer just uh, has its evil way of destroying lives. I'm hoping this is the last of these tribute episodes for a while. Not that I don't mind doing it. I just don't want to lose anybody else. We have had a tough, tough year. To all the people in New York that lost Alan, Mark Mendeltort of Marco Specialties, and recently we lost Lyman Sheets, and I think we're good for a while. But it is a reminder to live life to the fullest, to let those you know that you love, let them know that. If you haven't talked to a, a friend or a family member in a while, reach out, send an email, pick up the phone. You'll feel good. They'll feel good. And uh, since we really don't know when our time is going to be called, I can tell you firsthand, as sad as I am to lose Barry, I am very grateful that I was able to talk with him just four days prior and when he was in such great spirits. Barry's funeral service is Friday, March 4th. It's at 7 p.m. in San Antonio, Texas at Sunset Funeral Home. There will be a live stream. And again, if you can please go to the GoFundMe page, Barry Ausler Memorial Fund. I know the family and the pinball community will thank you. Barry, we're going to miss you. And thank you for the many wonderful games that you have created over the years. 
I know how close you were to being finished this current game, and, and in my heart of hearts, based on what Barry told me, I strongly, strongly believe you will see a new Barry Ausler game from American Pinball. He was that close to being done. You got to figure with friends like Dennis Nordman, Steve Bowden, Sophia Ryan, all these people he knew at American Pinball, and of course the other wonderful staff. They're going to get this done. Wouldn't that be a wonderful tribute? And so, with the blessing of his wife, Kathy, here is my last conversation with Barry Ausler. It is a pleasure today to be talking to someone that we hold dear in our hearts in the pinball community because of the wonderful designs he has given us over so many years, and we're going to be seeing a new one again. It's been 25 plus years, but I am so excited for our next guest. Barry Ausler joins us. Hi, Barry. How are you? Okay, Jeff. How are you today? Wonderful. Congratulations on the hire with American Pinball. Thank you very much. I've been looking forward to it. How did this all come about? Uh, really, things were kind of falling apart over at Deep Root. They laid everybody off over there. Uh, the SEC basically boarded up the company, and nobody can get into the building to get our personal stuff. I mean, everything is just a real mess over there. So I was talking to some people. I ended up talking to Dennis over at American Pinball, and he says they want to put together some design teams. So I gave uh, David Fix the call and talked to him, and they said, sure, you know, come on board. And I asked if I can work from home and, you know, just send in the games and then go in there to tweak the white woods and tweak, you know, the production games. And they said that would be fine. Well, it's nice that you've had some familiarity with certainly Dennis Dorbin, who's there. He also was briefly at Deep Root as well, too. And I assume you know a bunch of other people there at American Pinball. Yeah, well, I know Zofia because I worked with her for a long time over at Williams, and she's one of the best engineers I ever worked with. Which games did she help you on? Uh, let's see, I did Popeye, Dracula, Junkyard, Dirty Harry, Who Done It, uh, Doctor Who. She did all the mechanisms on all those games. Those are legendary mechs. I mean, think about the the Mist Multiball, one of the greatest in all of pinball. That time expander on Doctor Who alone is just mind-boggling. That thing's a beast. <laughs> but it works great. But you, yeah, it does work great. And in fact, we just saw it recently at Indisc. It's a, a real exciting game in tournaments. Of course, we all remember what happened at IFPA 16. You've probably since seen that, and we haven't talked since then when Daniele uh, lost on a huge comeback to Johannes Ostermeyer at IFPA 16 on Dracula. It just proved once again that what we already knew, that was a wonderful game, and uh, there's a lot of things you can do in that. So I assume you've oh, yeah. seen that footage. Uh, I'm not sure. If not, I'll have to look it up. I'll get it sent to you because it's pretty awesome. And then, of course, you know other great mechs that you've been responsible for, the, the visor in Pinbot. I mean, that's right. uh, pretty amazing. So I would assume with American Pinball, we're probably going to see some interesting mech, some sort of fun toy, because these are things you all did prior to 1996, and now it's 26 years later. There's a lot more you can do now. Oh, I know. You probably were working on some of these things with Deep Root, and hopefully you can bring them over some of these intellectual properties, some of these things that are certainly your own to American. Yeah, right now they own everything, and I mean, they have to auction everything off, but I have some great designs there. Can you talk about what you're working on? Uh, only the names of the games, because, yeah. I mean, they had people come in and look at them, but I was working on, on a Who game. We had Food Truck, which was getting ready to build up uh, the sample games to go out. We had all the artwork done on it. I was working on, on Goonies. Wow. Because that's the game, game everybody wanted. 
I mean, they had Robert wanted to do a remake of Black Hole with only with some major changes, but I couldn't can't talk about the mechanisms on that thing. Yeah, and a, and a couple other games. I mean, I had like a half a dozen games I was working on because I kept waiting for something to get built. So in the meantime, I just work on another game. It is something to hear. And Stephen Bowden, who's also at American Pinball, so it's nice to be reunited with him. He right. was talking about doing some of the rule designs for all these games, but it was really a, a, a hurry up and wait because here you are, I a know. designer. You had all these titles you just mentioned. You mentioned four, and who knows what else there is. And the big question, I asked Stephen this on final round, I said, how did these games get built? I mean, we saw the Raza prototype, which was a much different machine at Houston Arcade Expo than what we saw at the Deep Six reveal, if you will, and the one that was on display at What's Brewing. That was a different game. That's the one that had the pin bar. So right. you've been in pinball for so long. Were you wondering, how was that machine made, and how are my machines going to be made? I mean, most of the games are supposed to have a pin bar, and that was like their, their major feature they wanted to do in all the games. I wonder if that was to the company's detriment. I mean, obviously, there are other issues that are much more concerning, but just the pin bar, how was that going to be repaired? If there was an error, if there was an issue, how would you play the game if that didn't work? Was it essential for all the titles that you were working on? Pretty much it was. I mean, I don't know what they would do if, if a thing did break down in the middle of a game or something. You know, I mean, sometimes you should get a game out, build a game, and then start adding all the special features later on, a little at a time, instead of trying to put 10 pounds in a 5-pound box at that time. So the pin bar would have been fun for sure, but uh, really, it wasn't the be-all and end-all to the game. The game, the design, the rules, that's what the pinball players are certainly looking forward. And, and like you say, you know, you get that out and maybe tweak it. That could have maybe helped the company. I think they needed a few more things to help. But it is frustrating because I know you were excited. You're there in Texas still. And uh, it was a big move for a lot of people, Stephen Bowden included. And yes. uh, I'm a person who doesn't like to have regrets. I mean, if this is the path that got you to America now, okay, great. But does it feel like some wasted years? Not really. I mean, I had a good time doing it. I managed to get four Whitewoods built, plus I met a wonderful woman a few years ago, and we got married two years ago, so I'm happy. There you go. That's right. There, okay, that's the path then. Yeah. <laughs> and American Pinball, we've seen the recent title, which was Legends of Valhalla from Scott Gullix, a, a recent homebrew. I don't know if you've had a chance to play the game. I have not. I haven't played it, but I, I've seen the, you know pictures of it. The game's fantastic. And then, of course, Dennis Dorbin's going to be working on one, and then yours. So is there a timeline? I've heard David Fix say, you know, the idea is maybe we can get two games out a year. And I know there's supply issues, so that's obviously a big reason. And then there's even the American Dream Contest where they're trying to get another homebrew maybe mass manufactured. So what's the time frame that you've got in front of you for, for getting a game out? Well, the first game, he, they want more of like a retro game. So it's going to be kind of simple, not a lot of big toys on it. The next game will be the one with everything on it. I can only imagine what you can do now 26 years later after your last design and with everything that's possible now and, and a great build team. That's one thing you've probably heard. When you get an American pinball machine, the build quality is spectacular. I mean, no one really questions that. And that's that's kind of nice. I mean, it's a unique looking cabinet for sure, but I think each title just gets better and better. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And you get to stay from home, which is nice. Yes, I like that. You're going to be at Texas Pinball Festival, aren't you? Yes, I'll definitely be there. I'll be, you know, I'll be there Friday and Saturday. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of people want to talk to you about what's coming up. 
what you've done in the past, and we'll shed some light on that here, but that's going to be nice to be finally back after, wow, it's been, I can't believe it has been since 2019, since Texas Pinball Festival. I know, I miss it. Yeah, it'll be good. I look forward to seeing you there too. I was recently at Indisc. Your games were at the forefront once again. Doctor Who was in the main event for the finals, and uh, my goodness, I don't know if you got to see some of the footage, but the Time Expander is a great way to get all these jackpots, but we watched all these incredible players say, you know what? It takes a lot to get that open. It takes a lot to lock a ball, and then you still have to make it. Then you've got the chaos of three balls and multi-ball. But what these players were doing were doing these time loops, and not just any time loops, like 100. And mm-hmm. it was so much fun to watch. And you get the play field multiplier up and then get the jackpot. I mean, you can get like almost a billion points on one shot. Yeah, it was so crazy. That's something about your games. Again, we talked about Dracula, watching people do that triple stack and and all the things Mm -hmm. that can happen there. One of your games, actually, I've said for years and years and years, has my all-time favorite spinner. Which one am I talking about? All-time favorite spinner? I'm not sure. It's because it's so easy to rip from both flippers, and you can increase the value of the spinner by hitting Mm -hmm. the drops. Which one? Oh, maybe Space Shuttle? Definitely Space Shuttle. Best spinner ever. That is the gold standard for me, just because you can swipe those drops, you can get it up to 7,000 a spin, and maybe I ignore the other things. It's still got a great multi-ball with the locks and, of course, the center shot, and, and there's all kinds of interesting bonuses. I just find that just so much fun to play. and it's, well, That's uh, the main trick on there, is to try and sweep that bank in one shot. Yeah, yeah, that's for true. extra points. You've given us some other interesting things, too. Now, I realize that when you gave us Time Warp, you got the leftover Disco Fever banana flippers. Yeah. (laughs) Was that some sort of initiation, do you think? Who knows? Are you going to be initiated like that with American Pinball? Maybe they'll give you something like banana flippers. Who knows, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So then, who are you speaking to when you gave us Time Fantasy in the Snail? And quite honestly, what were you smoking? Let's be honest. That was more the R's. That was Seamus McLaughlin. <laughs> yeah. Because back then, we would just design a game and give it a name and let the artist take over. We didn't really build around a theme like we do now. Okay. What, were, what was your reaction when you saw that? You went, whoa. I thought it was hilarious. I thought people would get a kick out of it, you know. <laughs> Compared to some of the other things, your past with Python and stuff, I guess nothing really surprised you. Oh, yeah. He did some strange stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he did for sure. He was a one-of-a-kind person, and uh, I, I loved your stories of you know him not exactly being on time with deadlines and all the excuses, how many times his uh, mother or grandmother maybe have passed away, and that was why things were right. right. <laughs> and he waited to the last couple of weeks to get something finished, and then you basically have to take what he had. Yeah, wow. He'd be out on safari with National Geographic, or his mother died, or this or that. Nobody knew where he was. His mother couldn't find him. His wife couldn't find him. A little easier to find nowadays with the internet and Zoom and things like that. So a little harder to, <laughs> harder to hide. But yeah, really. I got to tell you, when I look at your great catalog of games, there are a couple of tournament darlings that a lot of people might not really know. But when I come across them, I'm obsessed and actually want to get these secondhand because there's just something unique about them. It was a few years ago at Indisc. They had Starlight. And I had Mm -hmm. never played that before, but was fascinated by the machine, quickly learned it for the tournament. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in there. 
I know. I don't know if you know, but I did a game uh, back in '79 called Laser Ball. Yep. And originally, it was, that was a bowling theme, but we ended up changing it to Laser Ball. But down the road, they needed a game right away, so I took Laser Ball and shrunk it down to a normal size game from a wide body, and basically used the same layout, except everything was compacted in there and turned it into Starlight. But what a fun game! Oh yeah, it's got a lot of good shots in there. You know, when we talk about tournament darlings, there's another game of yours that I hardly ever see, and I saw it once at a tournament. I would love to own this game. Cosmic Gunfight. What a oh, great yeah. game. That was another game that had its name changed. What was it? Originally, it was called Dragonfly, and if you go to the uh, IPDB website, at the bottom, there's some backglass artwork from the original game. We had backglasses done for it in different colors. Hmm. It's, the character kind of looks like a, like a like a silver surfer sort of, only with dragonfly wings. But then I guess all the space stuff started coming out around that time, so we decided to make it like you know cowboys in space. You know, they're riding on these you know rocket powered horses, having shootouts. You know, but it's, it worked whatever you did because the game is just so much fun. I, I remember seeing that at the NYCPC and. Uh, I think Papa tried to sell one of theirs, and when they sold off their games, I I, I know I put an offer into that because, uh, yeah, great game. Good stuff. Had, I think it had five bumpers, if I'm not mistaken. I think it had like almost like two little play fields, like a, a three-lane one and a two-lane one off on the other side. As a designer, is that the first thing you're looking for? Okay, what are the shots? I don't know what the first thing, when you're looking at, whether it's CAD, a Whitewood, whatever design you're using. Nowadays, I try and come up with a theme i mean either an original theme or if it's going to be a movie theme or a music theme you know just study up on on that otherwise yeah i try to figure out what i guess toys i want to put on it and and then and also the shots because i usually lay the shots out on a drafting table because it's hard doing it on a small screen this way i can stand behind the table and actually see the thing full scale as i'm drawing them in there when I see a machine for the first time, I look at the bottom flippers, if it's a two-flipper game, and I look and I say, okay, how many shots are on that flipper? Shots of significance, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe there's um, a couple of stand-ups in front of lanes on both sides of lanes. I, I don't really consider those necessarily shots. They're more right. when you have one left, maybe th- then you go for it type of thing, but uh, as opposed to something that's obvious like an orbit or a ramp. Mm-hmm. scoop things like that is that something you're conscious of looking at the number of shots from each flipper yeah usually and then sometimes you want to put a side ramp so you have to have a third flipper or a fourth flipper it depends you know on the actual game because i'll try to get like whatever the main feature in the game is going to be and put that on like on doctor who put the time expander in and then build around it you know or if it's off in the corner you know figure out what all the other shots and ramps are going to be but try to get the main feature in the first so on Doctor Who, the upper flipper, the main shot, is certainly the ramp that gives you the playfield multiplier. That's right. kind of the only thing you really want to go. I know you can get it into the pops there, and I guess you could even hit the time mm-hmm. expander if you, if you hit early. But when you look at an upper flipper, there are obviously less shots you can make. But I right. think the goal, and correct me if I'm wrong, is at least more than one shot, so it's not repeatable. Right. Now, that was probably the smoothest side flipper shot in any game. In fact, it was so easy we had to put a diverter in there because people could make it 50, 60 times in a row without stopping. Is that why there was the diverter after after so many shots? Yeah, because we, we limit it to like whatever, 10, and then you get like a special feature, and then the ball would just come back to the flipper. But you could start it over again 
Yeah, it's got a great flow and it's uh, once you find it, it's so exciting to hit that. Love Doctor Who. Yeah. You just talked about music pins, you know, whether you're designing for a movie, a TV show, or maybe a music pin. You said you were working on the Who for Deep Root. Right. If we even go back, your highway days, you were working on Queen Pinball. Now, I know there is a Queen Pinball prototype out there that we might see down the road. There's nothing in it. Really, it's just a, a cabinet and a box of lights. Uh, there's nothing underneath. It. There's no code or it's just something to look at. But right. I've always wondered what your Queen Pinball machine would have been like for highway. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of nice features on it, but I think they might have changed some of it when when David took over over there. Because he has like their in-house uh, designer who always has his own ideas, so they I think they kept a lot of my ideas and then added other stuff into it. But I haven't actually seen much of it except for the pictures. Were there a lot of songs in there? How much were you involved with the rules, or was it all there just was design? about ten or twelve songs? But they had to be live ones from, from only certain concerts we had to pick from. That was all they allowed. The licensing. So they did, in fact, get the license, Highway for Queen. Right. They had the license for it, yeah. I mean, it's basically the same people. They just bought Andrew Highway out because they were, they were his backers, the people that own Pinball Brothers. So they just basically took over the company and changed the name. So we'll see what Pinball Brothers does and now that they've taken over the uh, assets, I guess, if you will, of, of Highway. So, yeah, that'll be something to see. It's certainly going to be different than the one that you had designed. That's totally something completely different, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot of my stuff in there, but I'm sure there'll be some changes. But I had like a, a, a guitar for an upper play field with certain oh, they had shots. Yeah, they, stuff. Yeah. Oh, so but I had other stuff too. They did take out. I had a shot on there where you make certain shots, and there was like a tube in the play field, and Freddie Mercury would rise up with the microphone from under the play field. Wow. During certain songs and stuff. That would have been cool. Your designs moving forward, we can pretty much assume they're going to be standard size, not wide body or anything like that, nothing unique. Are you a fan of the upper play fields? You know, a lot of your older games had those kind of uh, designs. I think of Grand Lizard and Scorpion, not necessarily upper play fields, but upper areas. What are your thoughts on things like that? If it's done right, I guess it depends on the game and the theme. Because I know Goonies had a, a small upper play field on it and a lower play field. So I had three three levels. Wow. Yeah. I find lower playfields tough to really nail. They add to the bill of materials, no question about it. Right. And is there a lot of excitement down there? I don't know too many games, if I'm being honest, and this is just my simple opinion. Right. I don't know too many games where I'm like, wow, it's great to get down there. I think the last one I thought was pretty cool was Monsters, actually, mm-hmm. by John Borg. I thought he did a good job with that. Yeah, th- that was a pretty good game. Yeah. What are your thoughts about lower playfields? talked earlier about black hole and things like that well that's significant because of how that builds your bonus right but i think upper play fields are better because when you have a lower play field it means you got to have a window and then you got alignment problems with the ball hitting on the edges of the window it's got to be in there perfectly yeah upper seems to be easier right a lot easier it, it depends on the game you know i mean in the old games they would basically have a dead area under there so maybe you might be able to put a loop shot because there'd be a big hole in the back end of the lower play field for the mechanisms to hang down. Okay. So you'd, you'd lose a lot of real estate on the main board. Yeah. I think of your old game, Jungle Lord, and I like that for a lot of mm. reasons. The upper play field was certainly significant, getting the A, B, C, D, but really tough to nail. I mean, it's kind of, I, th- I always felt you were at the mercy of how the, the plunger was on that A, B, C, D. On that little mini play field on the corner? Yeah, the yeah. little bagatelle. Yeah. But the thing that stands out the most for me with Jungle Lord, 
I'm a big fan, and maybe you'll bring this back. Who knows? I like those unique magna saves that that are mm-hmm. timed, and it can kind of throw the ball as opposed to you know a hard magnet save like in Black Knight where it just stops dead. You know, you can kind of hold it for as long as you want to give it a bit of a sling. Yeah, I think I did it on Solar Fire too. That way, you just give it a if it's going out, just give it a quick pulse, and you still have a couple extra saves left instead of wasting it on on one shot. I love those. Yeah, I'd love to see that again. Do what you want. I'm just right. If you make a mistake, it's your fault. It is your fault. Yeah, and you can yeah. build, you can build up the magna save, and uh, you can hold it for as long as you need or as little as you want. I loved it. You've given us a lot of unique things. I mean, the first ever talking pinball machine with Gorgar. Um, we can do a lot more speech now, can't we? Oh yeah. I got lucky with that one because I had the game ready, and they happened to have speech developed at the same time. So we threw them together, and it worked out great. Right place at the right time, I guess. Yeah, we had that thing up on pedestals at the show, and we had these huge speakers cranked up. And Stern's booth was like next to ours, and Sam Stern comes over. Can you turn it down? That heartbeat's drowning out our games over here. <laughs> and the speech on the game, you know, me, Gorgar, me, got you, thump, 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 thump. And I mean, that's all you can hear across the whole show floor. <laughs> but what a great attract mode. Yeah. The games now, when you're making them, are they more for the homeowner or are they more for arcades or somewhere in the middle? I think somewhere in the middle because now there's more people collecting games and they're just buying them outright for their houses. They got you know money to spend because there's not a lot of arcades yet. They're coming back, but you know we're, we're trying to make it so anybody can enjoy it. And then plus we'll start out with a simple game, but then add layers for all the different levels of rules for people that, that are more professional, but try and make it simple enough so anybody can walk up and play though. At least that's the way I do my stuff. Barry, where do you feel on having the perhaps best toilet in pinball? I mean, there are others that have tried, Austin Powers and South Park, but Junkyard, I mean, that toilet really is more meaningful. (laughs) I know. The swirling sound and the flush in there and the guy, ah. (laughs) I've got a Junkyard in my game room. (laughs) Oh, nice. Well, that's the last machine we've seen from you. That was 1996, and I know you've been itching to to get things out, whether it was with Highway or Deep Root and now American Pinball. So uh, I can only imagine what you've been thinking for the last, you know, 26 years. Yeah, my wife wanted that game. That's her favorite game, so I bought it. <laughs> Junkyard. Yeah, I've got three games. I've got Junkyard, Dirty Harry, and uh, Dracula at home right now. Boy, some of your finest there. Dirty Harry was also a big one at Indisc as well. And uh, again, another, another you know, we talk about Doctor Who, but different side for the upper flipper. That's a nice... Yeah. Repeatable shot. It's certainly, uh, you feel good when you hit it because it's such a high ramp. Oh, yeah. Especially when you get the jackpots. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's everything. But loading the gun and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I once heard a story, and I forgive me if I'm wrong. Ed, I'm sure, will text me if I'm wrong. But I thought I heard Ed had to bring something back from Chicago to Toronto. And it was something like the gun trigger mm-hmm. for Dirty Harry, whether it was that game or I guess it could have been... Could have been uh, Lethal Weapon 3, who knows what it was, whatever, some sort of gun trigger. I think even Terminator had them too, didn't they? Yeah, a lot of games. I think Indiana Jones had a gun sure. on it. The Shadow, I think, did. So he had to bring these back to Canada, and I don't know whether it was a carry-on or not, but can you imagine them screening that, and they see these, like, you know, metal guns? Yeah. <laughs> and have to explain that story? That's, uh, oh, that's fun. So TPF is next up for you, and uh, what else can we expect? There's speculation on what your next game will be, and uh, I'm just going to put it out there. 
I think it's a fourth game in the Pinbot series. The son of Pinbot. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Hey, who knows? Who knows? There's been there's been a lot of things people wanted me to do. They want another amusement park game. Some people want another Pinbot. I'm getting people that want another Bad Cats. Bad Cats, another incredibly underrated game. Uh, we have that in our league at the TCPL, mm. and I always enjoy playing that. Yeah, maybe it's a, a sequel to Cyclone or Hurricane. Um, it's quite the legacy, and I'm glad to see it's going to continue with uh, your new titles. Uh, I know you've been working hard, and now you found a company that is definitely going to manufacture them, so that's exciting. Yeah, the last two were strikeouts. Yeah, but like you said, you know, you met your wife, so uh, there are some good things yeah. to come about. Oh, yeah. We're happy. we got three dogs and two cats. <laughs> Perfect. Nice big yard. <laughs> That's great. And uh, we saw not too long ago on social media, we certainly care about you, the person. Uh, there were some health scares uh, originally with COVID. And, uh, and of course, you've been battling cancer for quite some time. Uh, it's been almost 10 years. Uh, how are you doing, Barry? Yeah, I had a little bit of a relapse the last few months because when I lost my job at Deep Root, they, when they just abruptly shut down, I had no insurance for several months, so I couldn't go and get my treatments. So in, I was in the hospital for like nine days in December, mm. and I lost about 30 pounds. Yikes. Yeah, so now I've been starting this whole new regimen of treatments because Medicare is covering it now. So Okay. Well, I'm glad to you're on the mend. Yeah. And we will all see you at Texas Pinball Festival and excited to see what's going to be coming with American Pinball. Very glad you're back in it and uh, appreciate you talking to us once again. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be a crazy ride. <laughs> Anything else we missed that you'd like to mention? <sighs> I love pinball. <laughs> I just think of the turnaround in which you had to mm-hmm. make games back in the day. And here you are, you know, like you say, you've been trying to get stuff out with Highway, with Deep Root, and now you will be able to with American. Uh, you've got a little more time to work nowadays, I guess. And Yeah, it's working out good so far. Good, good, good. Okay, Barry, I'll let you go. Okay, Jeff, if you need anything else, just let me know. Give me a call. Okay, thank you very much, Barry. All right, thank you, Jeff. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. All your subscriptions, past episodes, and more were on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teolis. Perfect. All right. Thank you. I'm going to get that out very soon. Okay. Anything else you need? No, that's good. I'll see you, I'll see you in Texas. I'll make sure I stop by. All right. Can't wait. You know, if you, if you can't find me, just you know, text me or call me because I'll be there somewhere. Yeah, I will. All right. Take care, Jeff. Thanks, Barry. All right. Bye.